Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is early Tuesday morning for me, recording this one pretty late after the Nuggets postgame. Uh, the Nuggets, they lose in Los Angeles to the Lakers, 93-89. to In a true barn burner, if you were in the, the 1980s or 1990s, or, well, even the, the 2000s with the... Uh, kind of the dead ball era that we went through before uh, LeBron James and Stephen Curry really helped open up the paint. Uh, The Nuggets, yeah, this was a tough one. This is a tough one to stomach for a lot of reasons. P.J. Dozier goes down at the beginning of the fourth quarter with what looks like a groin pull. Uh, The Nuggets are calling it a right hip injury, and I think that that is more of a technical term. It can still be in the groin area, but it is technically the right hip. Uh, He was questionable to return in this one. He didn't. If it were me, I would be surprised if he was back soon. Uh, It wasn't quite like what Will Barton had at the beginning of the 2018-19 season where it popped. Uh, If there wasn't a pop or anything like that, if it wasn't like he had to be wheeled off or anything, it was probably just a strain. It was probably just a pull. Uh, the Nuggets have to hope that it's not that bad, that they can manage that. But it really put a damper on things because you start to think about, okay, this is a really tough situation that the Nuggets are in. They're now down one of their only creators, and it made it really difficult for the Nuggets to come back in this one. But they did. They made it a game. It was, I think, the Nuggets at one point were down by 14 points, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was like 87-73 or something like that. They rallied. They had some pretty late, uh, some pretty good late game offense in this one. Uh, there were a couple of situations where they didn't get things to go, uh, but the story of the night really was the Los Angeles Lakers defense and how it really bothered the Nuggets, kind of up and down the floor. Uh, starting with Nikola Jokic, I, I didn't really remember a ton of times where Jokic actually missed a bunch of shots, and and it sort of stands out that. His shot chart, a lot of them were in the paint, and some of them were tipped up that that he ultimately had. Some of them were blocked. He had one where he was stripped by Cantavius Caldwell-Pope. But he was mostly good tonight. 12 of 28, 32 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, only 2 turnovers. Uh, He had to take a ton of tough shots. This was a really tough situation for Jokic because it was very clear at the jump from this game that The Nuggets were going to struggle to score, and the Lakers, they were shrinking the floor. Andre Drummond was getting abused, but the fact that the Lakers also had Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, a very smart help defender in Alex Caruso, and a lengthy wing in Cantavius Caldwell-Pope, who really bothered Michael Porter, all four of those guys around Andre Drummond, despite the fact that Drummond was getting cooked, the rest of the defense was really good. That was a big problem for Denver. They couldn't get free on any shots, and when they did get free, it was open misses by Aaron Gordon or uh, Faku Campazzo in some cases, or P.J. Dozier. Uh, P.J. had one shot that, that he made that was a really important kind of kick-out three, but by and large, the Nuggets starting unit, if Michael Porter Jr. doesn't have it going, they are just Nikola Jokic, where he, he sort of has to carry the load, and You saw that with 28 shots and also eight free throw attempts on top of that. This was one of Nikola Jokic's higher usage games that he's ever had in his career. 
He doesn't have a lot of these for obvious reasons, and it sort of stands out that he was trying to get to the paint as much as he possibly could. He didn't finish that well in a lot of cases, and he also got blocked on in and stripped in a couple of cases, but it was mostly a good offensive game other than that. It's just that the margins in a, in a game where it's 93 to 89, they, they do matter. So if he gets another one or two to go, then it looks great. Uh, he did hit a couple Sambor shuffles, and you love to see that. You love to see the dominance around the rim, but he only hit uh, three shots tonight outside the paint, and I think that's a big deal because Denver, they're in a, they're in a spot right now where they sort of need him to space the floor as much as he possibly can. And when he is trying to assert his dominance in the paint, it puts a lot of pressure on the rest of the team to space the floor for him when he sort of does it the other way sometimes. Uh, He's really good in the paint, and he was dominant tonight in a lot of cases, but I thought that it was actually playing into the Lakers' hands, where he needs to be willing to take the jumpers, he needs to be willing to space the floor, to have the pick-and-pop game, and then open up those shots for everybody else. But we're going to see. We're going to see how Denver responds to this and, and whether they can. But it, it is like, whatever. Uh, this is a, it's, it's not on Joker. Let's just say that. Despite the fact he missed 16 shots, it was not on Nikola Jokic. Uh, let's talk about Michael Porter. He was bothered by the physicality of the Lakers tonight, including Catavius Caldwell-Pope, who I think he deserves a lot of credit for being in Michael Porter's grill a lot of the time. And Kyle Kuzma had his opportunities too, but it really was Caldwell Pope who was the physical guy who ran him off of those screens, uh, who made sure to not give him any airspace. And Porter at various points in this game sort of checked out. He didn't really know how to impact the game when he wasn't getting to his spots. And that, that was a really big deal. That was a really big part of why Denver couldn't come back. Uh, he did, at the end of the game, uh, or toward in, in the fourth quarter in the second half, he was 4 of 10 at one point and then made 4 of his last 5 to help kind of cut the deficit, including an important 3 with about 5 minutes to go. But uh, he did have a miss with about 1 minute to go, where I thought he probably should have gotten the ball back to Nikola Jokic, but instead settles for kind of a leaning 27-foot three-pointer, which he can make, don't get me wrong, but the Nuggets at that point, they're down by two. If you give the ball to Nikola Jokic and then cut, you may get a better shot. So I think that this could be a growing experience for Porter. Uh, This was a shorter player in Caldwell Pope who's still very athletic, still very long, and, and, and can bother shots and whatnot. That really gave him trouble. This is film that he is going to be able to study. He's going to understand how to attack the Lakers going forward. But it is notable that he was sort of taken out of his rhythm for a lot of this game. And it wasn't until kind of mid-fourth quarter where he sort of recovered it. Uh, a couple of his shots were were dunks, kind of run-out dunks where uh, nobody was contesting him. So other than that, the Lakers did just a really, really nice job of defending him. They have a lot of great defensive players on their roster. Kyle Kuzma's made a lot of progress. Uh, Anthony Davis, of course, is Anthony Davis. Uh, I'm glad that Michael Porter didn't try to attack Anthony Davis at times, but he did go at him in transition, which I thought was a big deal. Uh, there was a play, a three-on-one fast break, uh, Faku on, on in the middle, 
uh, Aaron Gordon on one side, Michael Porter on the other, Anthony Davis, the only guy back. And Faku gives the ball up to MPJ. And instead of going softly, he goes right into Anthony Davis's airspace, jumps with him, hangs in the air, and finishes a contested layup. That was really impressive, and, and it shows some maturity. It shows some strength there, which is really important. He just has to find ways to manifest that in different spots, whether it's posting up, whether it's on the back cuts and ceiling players. Uh, he's going to learn so many things over the course of the next couple of seasons that as long as Denver can put him into those good positions to succeed, he will. Um, tonight wasn't a good night, though, overall, and, and I think that that matters within the grand scheme of things here. But yeah, not enough spacing around those two, and it really stands out just looking at the box score. Denver shot 25% from three tonight, and it didn't help that Porter went two of seven and Jokic went one of four. But around them, Aaron Gordon, 0 of 1 from 3, and the 1 3 that he did hit, or he did shoot, it was bricked so badly. Um, Faku Campazzo goes 1 of 4. He gets a pass because I think he's done he's done a lot of good things, and the one shot that he did hit was a really impressive uh, kind of transition 3, semi-transition 3, that he drained. Uh, he had 8 assists tonight, as well as 5 steals, a career-high 5 steals, so... Faku gets a pass tonight for sure. He was playing great on the defensive end and and setting guys up. Uh, PJ, before he goes down, he only plays 22 minutes tonight. He did go one of two from three, so I wonder if he would have been able to hit another one. Uh, But Jermichael Green goes 0 of three. Austin Rivers, 0 of two. Shaq Harrison goes one of one. Denver only attempts 24 three-point attempts tonight. Uh, The Lakers, they attempt 30. And I think that difference in and of itself really matters in a game like this, where the Lakers did shoot 43% from three, and the Nuggets shot 25. That's a big swing factor as well, but Denver's defense overall, really good. They just needed a little bit more spacing, a little bit more jump shooting. And had they gotten it, had Michael uh, hit another one, had Jokic hit another one, he was 0 of 3 in the first quarter. Uh, Had he hit one more of those, might have put Denver in a better position down the line, so... Look, they, uh, it's tough to ask them in this situation to do everything, to win every game. Uh, this did feel like a game that they could win, though. And it's just, it's just tough that in a game like this where you lose by four, uh, you were down two with about a minute left to go and had an opportunity to tie or take the lead that it just it doesn't manifest. But it's okay. This is going to be fine. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bench play. But first... The hits literally keep coming from one boxing event to the next. They grow in excitement and anticipation, and this weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respective fighters stepping into the ring on Saturday night. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. 55 to 1, right there. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users uh, that opportunity. That's right. Just bet $1 if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55. That is a really, really good deal. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways uh, for you to make it rain. 
Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet one dollar to win fifty-five on this weekend's main event. That's right, DraftKings is in putting you in a good chance to win $55 when placing a bet of just $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling, gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. and roll ryan blackburn here uh, thank you so much for tuning in the reviews lately have been incredible thank you so much if you could rate review subscribe that would be awesome uh, let's talk about the bench play uh, i thought that this was a really indicative game so so here's here's how it went tonight uh, i'm just going to read off the plus minus tonight uh off the bench jamichael green minus 12 in 23 minutes javale mcgee minus 7 in 12 minutes Austin Rivers, plus one in 33 minutes. Uh, that's pretty impressive when he's sharing time with the bench. And Shaq Harrison, minus seven in 13 minutes. So keeping that in mind, Denver, they had opportunities. And I thought that they really started to struggle in this game. That the, They started letting go of the rope when Nikola Jokic goes out with his fourth foul in the middle of the third quarter. And shocking that, that he went out with four fouls in a game against the Los Angeles Lakers on primetime. That that could never happen, right? Um, but it, it is what it is. I think that Denver really struggled in this case. And there were minutes after that with Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and JaVale McGee, where Denver really, really couldn't do a lot. And then Jamichael Green on top of that. And then they, they really struggled to generate good offense and they couldn't stop the Lakers on the other end. Uh, the Lakers, they brought in Marc Gasol off the bench after Andre Drummond clearly didn't have it in the first half. He racked up four fouls in the first half and had to come out with about two minutes left to go in that second quarter. Marc Gasol comes in, immediately hits a three, immediately makes a positive impact. Andre Drummond comes back out at the third quarter, and plays about six minutes, gets his fifth foul, if I'm not mistaken. Marcus Gasol comes back in and plays a significant amount of time. He takes Montrez Harrell's minutes, who had played kind of the first to second quarter bridge minutes with the bench. Marcus Gasol comes in, and he puts up a stat line of 10 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 block, and a plus 17 in 17 minutes. He changed the complexion of this game, and I thought that it wasn't just against Jokic. Jokic still scored on him. Jokic still did some stuff. The Nuggets still scored. Where it really started struggling was when JaVale McGee was out there, and this is the problem with JaVale over somebody like Paul Millsap. Millsap knows that Marcus Gasol is going to shoot. 
Millsap knows that you cannot leave a guy like that open. That you can't dare him to shoot because he will, and he will hit those shots. Despite the fact that he's been unwilling most of this season to take those shots for L.A. Millsap goes out and guards Marcus All. JaVale McGee tonight, on the night that he received his ring in Los Angeles at Staples Center, it was a good night for him, and, and he did some good things offensively. But I thought on defensive on the defensive end was where he sort of lost it for Denver. A lot of times where like he he did make some good contests on shots, but they were rebounded on the offensive end and put back by the Lakers. And then there were times where he was playing drop coverage. Marcus All pops out for three, hits a couple threes against him. And that's that's kind of a big problem, that when you play JaVale, you need him to be able to protect the rim. And you need him to be able to shut things down. And he, he was fine in that regard tonight, but him being on the floor allowed the Lakers to do a lot on the perimeter with Gasol. I've started to really come around to the idea that Paul, Paul Millsap is going to be what the Nuggets need in a playoff series. I think his minutes drastically change when he's playing center versus when he's playing power forward. And when he was playing power forward and starting next to Jokic, it was putting him and the team in a really compromised position. But staggering those guys, not playing them at the same time mostly, playing Millsap as the center next to Jermichael Green, you still have enough size. But Millsap gets to play against the centers. He doesn't have to move against the, the power forwards, the speedier guys. And that's going to help him. That is definitely going to help him in situations like this. Uh, if Marcus Gasol is out there, if the Nuggets have to play the Lakers in a playoff series, I hope that they counter with Paul Millsap in that situation. They may not, but like, look, I thought that JaVale McGee did a decent job against Montrez Harrell, and, and that was fine. It wasn't perfect, but and Montrez Harrell still played pretty well. But I thought that the JaVale McGee-Mark Gasol matchup went as far in the Lakers' way as it possibly could in the brief time that uh, McGee played. And he didn't play for a long time. He played like in the first five minutes of the second quarter when Mark Gasol wasn't out there. And he played seven minutes with, I think, Gasol out there for most of that time. And it didn't go well. It really didn't. So, look, Denver has to figure that out and... A lot of those issues also happened because, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was like the seven minutes from the end of the third quarter. A lot of those minutes happened and occurred the way that they did uh, because of Jokic's foul trouble, because of P.J. Dozier's injury and whatnot, but this is a matchup where you wanted JaVale McGee, and maybe that will manifest, but I thought that Anthony Davis handled JaVale McGee pretty easily, and it might not be a matchup for JaVale McGee. That might, that just, we'll just have to leave it there. Uh, Jermichael Green, when he misses his open threes, is just a different player. It's, it's a different caliber of value. Uh, Denver needs that spacing. They need it desperately. Shaq Harrison was the only player on Denver that hit a three tonight uh, from the bench. If, ja if JaVale McGee is out there, then Jermichael Green has to hit his threes. It's just a requirement, and I thought that like him missing those was was a pretty big, a pretty big deal. Uh, he also passed up on a, on a couple of opportunities both before and during and after 
uh, when when he was kind of in that mired shooting slump a bit. He goes on and off at times. Like most of the time, he shoots pretty well. Most of the time, he shoots above fifty percent. And then there are times where he shoots zero percent, or he shoots twenty five percent, or whatnot. So, I think that this could just be an aberration, and maybe next time he hits his threes. But Denver. Denver needed those shots tonight, and they didn't get them. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was a minus 12 and kind of the the team low in plus minus. He had some other good moments. Uh, one, of the, one of my pet peeves with him, actually, is that when he and Jokic are in the game and Jokic has offensive rebounding position, Jermichael Green will fly in and try to grab the rebound. And because he and Jokic are touching the ball at the same time, it pops out of both of their hands. And neither of them gets a rebound, and it puts Denver in a really compromised position for transition defense. He's got to stop that. That's a that's a, a really big pet peeve of mine that uh, if you don't have the position and you're trying to fight for it, I'm glad that you're trying to make a play, but if you don't get it, it's kind of an, an all-or-nothing play, and it burned Denver several times tonight. Jermichael Green had zero offensive rebounds. Denver had six as a team. JaVale McGee had one, Jokic had three, Aaron Gordon had two. Uh, The Lakers, they out-rebounded Denver 43-41. to And had that been flipped, we might have seen a Nuggets win. All right, what else? What else? Austin Nervous has got to make some plays. He's got to make some shots. Um, He did make some plays. And, and the Nuggets, they just they need him now more than ever, now that P.J. Dozier is going to be out. And I, I think he'll probably be out for some time, but I, I have zero information about that. Uh, Austin Rivers, six assists. Let's start with the good. Six assists is really good. He was a plus one when the bench was mired in kind of a minus slump. Like, the bench plus minus was minus 12, minus 7, minus 7, and Austin Rivers plus one. So there is something that he's doing and that the team is doing during that stint that is positive while he's out there. And I think his ability kind of at 6'4", he, he was switching pretty well. He was helping to contest several AD shots in the clutch. Denver, they made, oh, you know what it was? Denver made the late run, and and they were in a tough position before, uh, but they made the late run at the end to try to close the gap against this team. And... Uh, they were down by double digits. They were down in that time. And I think Austin Rivers was on the floor for all of that because he came back into the game when uh, P.J. Dozier went down. Or I think Faku came back in the game, but Austin Rivers just closed it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles their starting lineup uh, if P.J. Dozier is out. And I'll, I'll get into that in the... Actually, no, let's get into it now. How does Denver survive all these injuries? How do they survive this? We don't know what the the extent of PJ Dozier's injury is, but let's say he's out for the next game. Let's just let's just start there. Denver's rotation guards at that point are Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, and Shaq Harrison. They signed those guys because they don't trust Marcus Howard, and for good reason. Like I don't, I don't want to be too mean to Marcus, but on top of being a rookie who has really poor shot selection, he doesn't do anything else. He's not a defensive player. He's a, a horrid defensive player, and he doesn't really pass the ball either. So he's 5'10 and hasn't really shot the ball well when that's his best skill. That's a that's a problem. Uh, so if you're going to play him, then you're playing with fire already. Faku Campazo, he's been starting. He's been good, 
Austin Rivers, Shaq Harrison, they just got here. Like they really just got here. And it's it's so frustrating to see Denver have these injuries at this time, all sequentially. Murray goes down, then Morris goes down, then Barton goes down, and you feel like, okay, maybe if you could just survive long enough for Morris to get back, and then P.J. Dozier goes down. And again, we don't know the extent of that, but in, in a game on Wednesday that Denver needs to win, can they win it when they have three guards that they really trust? And that's including Shaq Harrison. So, is it time for Denver to get creative so they can survive? Do they have to go big? It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them to go big against the the Knicks. Like, the Knicks can't... Like, you can go big against the Knicks and survive. Faku defends uh, uh, whoever's starting for them. I think it's Alfred Payton. Uh, R.J. Barrett is there too. Or actually, no, uh... Reggie Bullock is there too, so you just have to stick with him. That's the only thing. But R.J. Barrett is there three. You stick with him a little bit. Uh, maybe you put Aaron Gordon on him, but or maybe you put yeah you put Aaron Gordon on him. You put Jamichael Green on Julius Randle, and then you play Jokic. You could probably survive, and you can keep the the bench guards minutes intact a little bit. Uh, but it's tough. Like, you have to get a little bit more creative. Maybe Zeke Naji gets in there. Maybe Bull Bull gets in there. I don't know. I don't know how they handle it. This is a, it's just painful to think about that, that this team in this situation, right at this time where they're trying to fend off the Clippers for the three seed, they're trying to get into the position that they need to be in order to get the best possible playoff run, they're having to deal with all of this mess. So, it's very tough. It's very annoying. Uh, if PJ is down for a significant period of time, then I would probably start Austin Rivers and Faku Campazo. But if he's out for just a very brief, actually, well, hmm, I don't know. Like this is one of those things where I, I would love to be able to tell you guys an answer, but I don't know. If I knew, then I would I would feel more confident about it, and maybe I would be on a team or whatnot. But no, this is, a, this is a really tough situation for Denver to be in. They've just got to survive. They've got seven more games. And uh, you know what? Let's hit a break right now. I don't want to talk anymore about this Lakers game. The Nuggets, they played Anthony Davis pretty well, better than they usually do. He scored 25 points on 19 shots and hit some of the shots that he's going to hit. But uh, he hit him at a, at a higher rate against Denver, of course. Uh, and then the, the Lakers shot 43% from three. Like, Sometimes, what can you do about that? Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the playoffs and the playoff seedings. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for making me a part of your day i know you're probably like if you listen to this and if you're still listening you're hate listening because uh you're probably upset like me that they lost to the lakers in the fashion that they did uh, i know i didn't even mention the the mpj3 that was negated by the faku Campazo offensive foul it was a flop by anthony davis but it was also a foul by Campazo. he shouldn't be running into somebody trying to screen them while moving on the offensive end like 
that really hurt. And and it's tough because up in critical, Faku, he's just trying to make a play. Look, he had eight eight assists, five steals tonight. I'm not going to be overly critical. If he doesn't make that play, Denver might win the game. So it is what it is. All right, let's talk playoffs. Let's talk the seedings. I have the standings right here of the top seven. I've been posting this graphic on Twitter and in some of my articles on Denver Stiffs. Uh, this, uh, this basically the final schedule for the top seven teams as of this date. And for, for now, it is as of May 4th, which is Tuesday. Utah is in the one seed at 47 and 18. They won tonight. Phoenix, they didn't play. They're at 46 and 18. Denver is at three. They are 43 and 22. They are four losses behind Phoenix and Utah for the two for a top two seed. You can probably kiss that goodbye. I don't think that Denver can make up the ground that they do unless they run the table and the Phoenix Suns or Utah Jazz go 500 the rest of the way. And even like it, it would be tough to ask Denver to run the table now that PJ Dozier is also probably going to be out. The Clippers are 43 and 22. They are in fourth because Denver did earn that tiebreaker over them, that head-to-head tiebreaker. The Lakers are now at 37 and 28. They are still six games behind the Nuggets and the Clippers. They cannot reach. They are, it, it is a almost a done deal that they are not going to be a top four seed. They're going to be five, six, or seven uh, in all likelihood. Actually, no. In in like it's it's guaranteed because if Denver wins uh, one more, uh, it might be two. And if the Clippers win one or two more, then then they're going to be fine. And it's the Lakers are going to be, they're going to be in that matchup. Dallas is at thirty six and twenty eight, a half game back of the Lakers, the one lo- or one win behind them. Uh, they also play one more game. Portland they lost against the Atlanta Hawks in kind of despondent fashion. That was a game that they probably had to win and uh, sort of dropped. They are in the seventh seed outright. They would be in the play in game right now. So. Let's talk about the manipulation. Let's talk about like this next week or so. Tuesday, tomorrow, or when you listen to this podcast, Phoenix, they're playing at Cleveland. They're probably going to win that one. So X that out. Clippers, they play the Raptors on uh, tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. The Mavericks, they play at Miami tomorrow or Tuesday. Keep doing that. Uh, if all of those are wins then the Clippers would move into the three. The Nuggets would move back down to the four. Then they would be in a matchup with the Lakers at five. Actually, no, because if Dallas won, they would move up to the six or up to the five, and the Lakers would then move down to the six by virtue of the Dallas head-to-head tiebreaker, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dallas then would face Denver in the four-five, and the Clippers and Lakers would face off against each other in the three-six. The point being here, is that this thing, it is impossible to predict because this schedule is too volatile. I have zero idea what is going to happen from game to game because the Clippers, they can win and look like a a rock star team or they can lose or they don't necessarily have all their guys. The Lakers, they don't have LeBron right now. They finally started to look good against the Nuggets with with Anthony Davis, and that was a surprise. The Nuggets, they looked really good, and then they just lost their fourth guard. 
what can you do? The Mavericks, they lose to every average to subpar team. You can't count on them. Portland, they were doing well, and then they dropped a game to Atlanta. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell everybody about this schedule. Like, if I had to predict it right now, if I'm going through Denver's remaining seven games, which is the Knicks on Wednesday, at the Jazz on Friday, back-to-back against Brooklyn on Saturday, I think Denver goes 1-2 and two during that stretch in all likelihood. They might win uh, on Wednesday, and actually that's probably the most likely, but Utah, they may get back Mitchell at that point. They may get back Conley at that point, which means that they're going to be way healthy, way more healthy than Denver at the guard positions, which sort of matters in this case. Brooklyn, they're probably going to be healthy. I would assume that Kevin Durant plays in that. I would assume that Kyrie Irving plays in that. Maybe they don't, but that's another tough matchup for Denver. If they go 1-2 and two in that, they have at Charlotte, at Minnesota, at Detroit, and at Portland to finish it up. I think they could win all three of those games at Charlotte, at Minnesota, at Detroit. Which means that in the next six, they'd go 4-2, and two, which puts them at 47-24, and 24, heading into the final game. Hold that thought for a second. 47-24, and 24, heading into their final game against Portland. The Clippers, they have seven more games to go as well. They have Toronto. They have the Lakers. They have the Knicks. They go at Toronto again. They're at Charlotte, at Houston, and at OKC. That is a far easier schedule than Denver, especially for a team that has their stars healthy, that is in a much better position from a health perspective. If they want... I think they're probably going to pass the Nuggets for the three seed. Which means that Denver would be in the four. And if they get locked into the four, then that means that they are at the mercy of whoever wins the morass of games between the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Blazers. And whoever gets up to the five. So if Denver gets locked into the four seed, and you feel like they're going to be locked in there, then that Portland game becomes kind of a a very interesting factor. Because if Portland can get to the point where they are above or tied with the Lakers heading into that final game, the Nuggets may rest and tank it so that the the Blazers can get above the Lakers, force the Lakers down into the play-in game, or at least into the sixth seed. And then you put them into a position where they are outside of Denver's bracket. That would be the best case scenario for Denver. Where they, they don't have to worry so much about this next stretch. All they have to do is worry about where the Lakers go. They'll take their chances against the Mavericks in a first round series. Or against the Blazers in a first round series. They don't care who else between those two gets up to the five seed and faces them. But the Lakers, as we've seen time and time again against this team. I know that this game was a kind of a tough example because the Lakers, they they shot well over their head and the Nuggets did not, and they lost their fourth guard like, and don't really have any other options after that besides Faku. They put themselves, or they're in a really tough position, but the Lakers, they do have a psychological threat here. 
the Nuggets haven't really gotten them. Like, they did win against them on Valentine's Day, but I'm not sure how much that really counts. I'm not sure how much that truly matters because Anthony Davis went out of that game at halftime. LeBron didn't really try in that third quarter. There wasn't like a feeling that the Lakers, oh crap, now we have to worry about the Nuggets. And I don't know if this particular matchup changes anything for that. Still think the Lakers are the team you want to avoid, if you can at all costs. The only team in the West that you really need to avoid. I think that Denver could be any other team in the West, assuming that they have Morris, Barton, Dozier back. I don't think they can beat the Lakers. Which is why I hope that they get put into a bracket with the Clippers. Or another team that can beat them. Maybe Utah can beat them. Maybe Phoenix can beat them. I doubt that Denver can beat them just kind of without Jamal Murray. If they had Jamal Murray, it would be a different story. So that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with kind of a morass. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how the Lakers are going to respond. We don't know how Dallas is going to respond, how Portland's going to respond. But with seven games left to go, the Lakers have this schedule. At the Clippers, so they're still at Staples Center, but they may not have LeBron there. At Portland on Friday night on a back-to-back. That is a really important game. If Portland can win that game, then they may be still in a good position to make something happen. That would be really, really important. If the Lakers go 1-1 or 0-2 in that stretch, then Dallas and Portland may have enough wiggle room to be able to get up and, and force the Lakers into a play-in game. Because after that, it's a, for, for the Lakers, their last seven is at Clippers, at Portland, Phoenix, New York, Houston, at Indiana, who sucks right now, and at New Orleans, who they'll probably be eliminated at that, at that point, so they'll have nothing to play for either. So, these next four games, at the Clippers, at Portland, at Phoenix, or uh, home against Phoenix, home against New York, if the Lakers go 3-1 and one during that stretch, I think they're probably in that 5-6 range. If they go 2-2, two and two, it's borderline. If they go 1-3, and three, they're probably down to the seven. If they go 0 and 4, unlikely but possible, definitely down to the seven. We're going to see whether they stay there. We're going to see how this ultimately handles out. Uh, Denver fans should be very happy if the Lakers get stuck in the play-in game. Not because they could be eliminated, but because then they're out of the first round matchup against Denver. Denver can't play a team that's in the play-in. And that is a really good thing. Going to be interesting to see how Denver handles another injury. I, I I know that they've done it already. They've had this resilience. It's got to be exhausting. They have to be just bone tired. And, and I hope that they can respond. Because I know that I would be in a really frustrated state if all of this just kept happening to them. Michael Malone said post-game today, I don't know if we're cursed or something. You might be, coach. You might be. Certainly seems like it from the outside. But let's end on some positivity. Denver, they're still in the three seed. They still control their destiny there. If they would like to remain in the three seed, 
They just gotta win some games here. They gotta capitalize and hope that the Clippers give them a little bit of wiggle room here. Because if the Clippers go 7-0, it's gonna be tough to match. But Denver, they can do it. They can do it. They've already shown it. That is gonna do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in, making me a part of your day. I'll be back. I know I keep saying that I'm gonna have a guest, but I'm gonna have a guest. We're gonna make it happen. Uh, I will be back with a guest. We're going to talk some nuggets. We're going to talk some some other stuff as well. Uh, but should be fun. I am looking forward to it. Thank you so much, everybody. And I'll talk to you guys very soon.